Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. I want to let you know that if you are new to the podcast, I am brand new to video casting or video podcasting, whatever it's called. If you are not a follower of the show already, I just want to invite you into this space. This space is one that I created really birthed out of need because as a writer, I write women's Bible studies. I wanted to hear from my audience. And one of the things that I heard from my audience over and over was that they really were struggling with learning how to hear God's voice, to know the difference between their own voice, the voice of the enemy, and the voices of this world, or maybe even their own emotions. And so what we set out to do was create a podcast that helped answer some of those questions. That has kind of evolved over the last couple of years. We are over, I think, last count, two and a half million downloads on the audio podcast. And I decided to start doing something in addition, which was to really invite the YouTube or the video watchers into the conversation. And so now what we're doing is both. We're going to be doing video podcasting, and then the audio is going to be used for the audio podcast every day. And so I want you just to kind of know who I am. You will not find overly edited, overly scripted podcasts or or vodcasts. Instead, what you're going to find is authenticity. My hair might be a little bit messy. I might flip over my words a little bit or tumble here and there. But what you're going to find is consistency. Who I am behind the camera is the same person that I am behind a microphone or on a stage or in person or driving down the road in my car. And so I hope that that is a benefit to you. I hope that you appreciate that. And really, my heart is really to help you know God, to know Him, and to make Him known. And so today, what I wanted to do is just introduce you to the new series that we're doing. If if you're just joining us, what we've done up until this point is a couple different things. We've done a combination of She Hears Bible Study content, which is the Bible study that I wrote. We did some spiritual disciplines content where we're going through different muscles to help you grow and develop your spiritual strength. We talked about some spiritual maturity issues or what it looks like when you're leaving toxic church environments. We've also done a whole Psalm series. And what I love about the Psalms is it was really the hymn book and the prayer book of Jesus and the disciples. So now what we're doing is we're transitioning into the gospels, the heart of Jesus and his message. And so what this Bible study daily devotional podcast has turned into is an opportunity for you to spend just a couple moments meditating on God's Word. And typically what I do in an episode, if it's in one of our Bible study session series, is I will read the passage of Scripture that we are studying. I will talk about it, give some commentary on it, and then I will read it again. Because what I hear from women a lot is that they want to be in God's Word. They want to study the Bible, but they're raising kids or they're working full-time, sometimes a side hustle on top of a full-time job, and they don't have the time to dedicate that they want to, to be in God's Word. And so this podcasting space has been a solution for many women 
This is not to take away from your church body. This is not to substitute you being part of a local body and community of believers. But what the goal is, is that it would whet your appetite for wanting more of God's word. And so I invite you to come along this journey with us as we go through this process. What I want to do today is I want to go over an introduction to the Gospels, because what I have learned over the course of the last two years is that that people are in all different places. Sometimes people come to the show with no knowledge of the Bible, of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, none of it. They don't understand anything. They've never opened a Bible before. Other people have been longtime students of the Word. And then there are some that are kind of falling in the middle, like they've gone to church or they consider themselves Christians, but they haven't really learned how to study the Bible for themselves. And so what, what I want to do is I I want to make sure that we cover all of our bases. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the introduction to the Gospels. And then eventually what we're going to do, probably by the end of this week, is we're going to start studying the book of Matthew, which if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, the book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So I invite you to join us on this journey. Today, we're talking about the New Testament and we're talking about the Gospels. Did you know that there was something significant between the Old Testament and the New Testament? There was a period of space that when you change that page over, when you are opening your Bible or you're going and you're scrolling through your map uh, or your, your Bible app, I would look at that last page of the Old Testament and then look at the first page of the New Testament. As a, as a young believer, I didn't realize that there was 400 years in between those two pages. And so what I want to talk about before we get into the New Testament, before we get into the Gospels, is that period of time, that 400 years that happen in between those pages. Many scholars will call that the intertestamental period. And it's this period from 400 BC to 1 BC. People in academia would maybe call it the Second Temple Period because from 530 BC to 70 AD, that's around the time period that the Babylonians destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and then Ezra and Nehemiah rebuilt it. And so that was the final historical event that was recorded in the Old Testament. But for most people, how you'll probably hear about that is you'll hear about that period of time referred to as the silent years. And the reason why they call those the silent years is because there were no prophets in Israel at the time, and there was no active writing of the books of the Bible. But I don't know about you, but what I have learned in my life is sometimes when God is silent, he's doing some of his best work. I've learned that just because God is silent doesn't mean he isn't moving and acting. And so I want to make sure we cover those silent years and you have a good understanding of what the stage was when Jesus entered the scene. We know about what happened in that intertestamental time, that 400 years, because there were other books being written at the time. And that was from other sources like the Apocrypha, which is included in the Catholic Bible or different historical works like Josephus. There was lots of other content being written, even if it wasn't in the actual Bible itself. So there's a book called Maccabees and there's other books like Tobit and Estras that is included in some of the Eastern Orthodox churches or the Catholic churches, but it's not included in the canon of the, the Christian Bible, the evangelical Christian Bible that we read. But what those books do, and there's various reasons for that. We can get into that later. But what those books do is they do give us a glimpse of the history of what was going on at the time. Also, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that's 
the period of time where many of the Dead Sea Scrolls were written. And if you're not familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, those are scrolls that were found way later, actually, comparatively closer to the time that we've lived than when the time that Jesus lived, that they were found rolled up, literal scrolls that were rolled up, found in jars that were in these caves along the Dead Sea. And it's so interesting because the first scroll that was found was found by a young boy who I think it was either a shepherd boy or he, or he was skipping rocks. But either way, it was found by a young boy and it led to this amazing discovery of these scrolls that were written during the time. The Septuagint was written during this time. And if you're not familiar with that word Septuagint, what that means is it was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And that was important because the Jewish community as a whole was now largely speaking Greek by the time that Jesus came along instead of Hebrew or even Aramaic. So they would speak Hebrew and Aramaic within the family region or even within their individual sects. But in the larger region of the area, Greek was the pretty much the understood language or the taught language. The Jews in the Holy Land at this time remained under Persian rule. And so we're going to get into that a little bit. There was wars and conflicts that was really scattering Jews throughout the known world at the time. But it was the Babylonian and the Egyptian Jews that formed communities that grew large and that were the most influential. There were subsects of Jewish groups of people things that you might recognize from scripture, but not 100% understand. At least that's how I was. I would hear these words. They would be familiar, but I didn't really know what they meant. People groups like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Scenes and the Zealots and the Herodians and the Hellenistic Jews. And we're going to get into what all that means through this study. It was the time where rabbis started becoming more popular and a rabbi was a master or a teacher and they started to really challenge the role of the priests who used to be the only one who provided religious teaching to the people. But the rabbis knew the commandments and they knew the Old Testament and they would teach people how to keep those laws and it was really teaching them how to understand the practical application for the people. It made God's word accessible. The temple in Jerusalem in the Old Testament was where people worshiped. But now what was happening is local synagogues were becoming a place to worship and to pray and to hear the Torah. And the Torah is the word that it refers to the Old Testament, the Jewish Bible. And we learn in the book of Luke that Jesus went to the synagogue every week. It's most likely that the use of the synagogue and the rabbis and the Greek translation and the rise of what is now called Judaism all stems from the Babylonian Jews as they came back to the Holy Land during this time. It used to be that the Torah was only accessible to the elite members of society. But by the time we got to the New Testament, the books of the Old Testament and the Torah were now accessible to common people because of the rabbis. At the time that Jesus was born, God had been working in the hearts of the Jewish people to prepare them for the Messiah. During this time, there was different leaders that came into power. One was Alexander the Great. He died in 323 BC. But Alexander the Great changed things a lot for the culture during that time period. He conquered the Persian Empire, which included the Holy Land, and he left the Greek language 
and what was called the Hellenistic thought and culture. The Hellenistic culture was basically a combination of Greek politics and philosophy and the Greek gods and architecture and sports and leisure and art, all the things that we might be familiar with when we think about that time period. And cities within the Greek empire, which included the Holy Land, were turning more and more Hellenistic or Greek because of the influence of Alexander the Great. When Alexander the Great died, his empire was split between his generals. Two generals created dynasties, which really influenced the Holy Land. In one, the Jews did okay, but in the other, which is ruled by a guy named Antiochus, they didn't do so great. There was this radical campaign to Hellenize everything, or basically Greekify everything, and an attempt to ban Judaism, including things like circumcision or reading the Torah. He even took over the temple. The sacrifices there of the Jewish people stopped, and Antiochus instead ordered pig sacrifices to be made on the altar. And you remember what God said about pigs and pork in the Old Testament. If you don't understand that or what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to one of the previous podcasts where we talked about how the Philistines worshipped the pigs and how God guarded the Jews against that. But during this time, in a small town northwest of Jerusalem, there was an elderly priest and his sons who decided they were not going to follow Antiochus and go along with this Hellenization or this Greekification of, of, of Jerusalem. And so instead of offering pagan sacrifices like the king wanted or the, I guess, the leader wanted, I don't know that he would necessarily be called a king, but the leader, the political leader at the time, instead of doing what he wanted and offering these pagan sacrifices, they instead stood up for what was right in God's eyes, their passion and their zeal for God's spread. It spread around the Holy Land and it sparked what was called the Maccabean Revolt. In 167 BC, the Maccabees, this family, they regained control of the temple. They cleansed it of all the pagan influences and they tried to celebrate, I think it was called Sukkot. I'll tell you what, I'm not up to par on all the pronunciations of all the Jewish holidays. But with this one festival, it was a Jewish fall festival, but it was too late in the year. And they only had enough oil for the menorah for one night. But the oil in the menorah lasted eight days of the festival. And that's the miracle, which is now celebrated as this new festival called Hanukkah. And Hanukkah celebrates this victory of the Maccabean family over the Greeks. And in the Gospel of John, we read that Jesus celebrated this festival in Jerusalem. I don't know if you knew that, but I didn't know that. I didn't, I don't know enough about Jewish culture and Jewish history because I was raised as a Christian. And even though I was raised as a Christian, we weren't actually the kind of Christians that went to church unless it was Christmas or Easter. And so for me, I didn't understand what this celebration of Hanukkah was all about. But yet that's one of the things that happened during this 400 years, these silent years. So the Maccabean family, they now were in control and they formed a new dynasty called the Hasmonean dynasty. And again, I'm so simplifying all this because I want to give you just a snapshot of what was going on in the time and the years before Jesus was born. But this was a family dynasty of the Maccabees, like I said. And what ended up happening is they started to like the Hellenistic influence, the influence of the Greek culture that they used to be repulsed by. They started to really like it. And that's a lesson there for us, I think, if we think about that. It sounds a little bit like today. But the leadership in Jerusalem, they became increasingly Hellenistic, increasingly Greek. And that sparked some groups popping up in opposition, like the Pharisees and the Essenes. And there were a couple of groups that popped up because there was this question of how to be Jewish in a Greek world. 
And different groups answered that question differently. Again, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Eventually what happened was the Roman Empire put an end to that Hasmonean dynasty when Pompey conquered Jerusalem in 63 BC. The Romans did not tolerate Jewish opposition and they killed many of the Jewish priests and the leaders. There was a brief time of Jewish dependence from Rome under Herod the Great and Herod convinced the Roman Senate to proclaim him the king of the Jews. Again, something to pay attention to. There hadn't been a king of the Jews since Judah had been destroyed. So Herod became king, and with this political and military backing of Rome, he was cruel. He started a huge building campaign. In fact, that's why he's called the Great, because he he was so great with all the building that he did. And he built seven huge palaces for himself. He created a harbor in Caesarea to funnel ships into his territory. And he expanded and renovated the temple complex, which was in Jerusalem, and it became the largest temple to a single deity anywhere in the world. He died in 4 BC, and he was buried outside of Bethlehem on his palace grounds in a place called the Herodium. And it's interesting because scholars think that Jesus was born not far from the Herodium sometime before Herod died. After Herod died, his empire was split between his sons. Rome intervened because they didn't want that happening. And so Herod's sons became tetrarchs instead of actual kings. But Rome was back in direct rule of Jews through the governors and people like Pilate. You remember that guy, right? If not, it's okay. We'll get to it. In fact, John the Baptist was killed by Herod's son, Antipas, and that was the Herod that also wanted to kill Jesus. Roman rule created this tension in the Holy Land between the Romans and those that cooperated with the Romans and various other groups of people who just really longed for freedom. There, of course, then became the Zealots. And those were the people group, the Jewish people group that were very likely inspired by the Maccabeans that were inspired by that initial act that they took to rebel. And the Zealots began to resist Roman rule. They finally had a, a revolt in AD 66 and the temple was destroyed in AD 70. In that process, thousands of Jews died. There was later a second Jewish revolt in AD 132, and that is when the Jewish people no longer had control of their lands, and they didn't keep control or have control of their lands all the way up until recently in 1948. So as you can see, these years were anything but silent. There was stuff happening all the time. And I think it's important for us to understand that there needed to be some priming done to the emotional climate, the political climate, the spiritual climate before Jesus came on the scene. And I'm reminded now, of course, the Maccabeans, they eventually went far off course. But but when I think about the Maccabeans standing up initially or the zealots standing up initially for what they believe to be right in God's eyes, that's so encouraging to me. And so one of the things I wanted to remind you of is the fact that sometimes when God is silent, he is still working. And so what's that mean for us? What's that mean for us today? Well, I think there's a couple different applications that I tried to point out. Hopefully you were picking up on them. But what I think for me, what I, I would encourage you to ponder and what I would encourage you to think about is have there been times in my own life where God has been working despite the silence? Maybe he wasn't silent. Maybe you just felt like he was silent, but he might have been working behind the scenes, setting the stage, 
preparing things, getting things ready. That's what I want to leave you with today. That's what I want you to sit with. Let me pray over you. Father God, I thank you so much for my friends, old and new, that are joining the Hearing Jesus podcast because they have a desire and a yearning and a longing to know about you and your word. God, we thank you that even in the moments that you feel silent, that you are working, that everything that you do is intentional. God, I pray for that reminder today that in those moments that you feel silent, help us to trust you, to lean in to knowing that you are faithful, that you are a God that does not remove your hand from us, just like you did it with the Jews, just like you had a rescue plan in Jesus for that people group and also for us. God, we thank you for the way that you intimately care about us and you seek to reach into our mess and rescue us. I thank you and I praise you in all things. Amen. Talk to you tomorrow, guys. Hey friends, before you go, I want to make sure you know about our Patreon page. The Patreon page is really a place to gain all sorts of resources specifically for the Hearing Jesus podcast and the Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast. There's a specific and dedicated private Facebook group, which is a place for me to interact with you, to pray with you, to answer questions. I'd love it for you to join us there. And there's also another level that gives you the inside scoop on everything else that's going on. The journaling prompts are there. If you've been with us for some time, you know that I usually do journaling prompts that helps us get that information from the head to the heart. We have a downloadable daily prayer prompt that helps you get that information process in a way that it affects your daily life. There's also a Bible reading tracker on there. There's bonus episodes, lots of things on an ongoing basis, a place where you can get all the resources to help you grow in your faith. And the second thing I want to mention to you is the Dawn app, which if you've never heard of that before, I have good news for you. I just recently recorded a series for the Dawn app and also did some writing for them. And it's a daily Bible study and prayer app that is completely free. The link for that is in the show notes. And then the last thing I'm super excited about, I want to tell you that we're going to start having opportunities for travel. This is going to look a couple different ways, depending on what you're looking for, but it's going to cover things like mission trips in-person retreats, and also eventually a Bible study trip to Rome. What I'm doing right now is I'm getting everybody's contact information so we can start communicating about what that might look like. So if you are interested in any of that, you can head to shehears.org for more information. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.